I love how Solomon desired to build a temple for the name of the Lord, where God would dwell, where his presence would dwell. I love how Solomon made space for the Lord. And when we make space for the Lord, our Lord will come and he will reside and he will fill that space. And the temple of the Lord was built. All glory to God. All praise to his name that God would be known. One of the things I want us to think about this morning is do we make space for the Lord? You know, in my early days of ministry, I, I would get pretty frustrated when I'd be in the middle of preparing for a sermon, and I'd get a text or a phone call, and it was someone who really needed to talk to me. It wasn't something that could wait. And so I'd have to leave my study time and go drive to go meet with a person. And I would be frustrated along the way, and I would be thinking about how I have so much to do And I was stewing over uh, just the time lost in taking this drive out when I needed to finish my sermon on the Good Samaritan parable that I was working on. (laughs) And the Lord would meet me on the drive. He did this often. Takes a lot to grow me up. And he'd meet me on the drive, and he'd sit in the front seat, And you say, Rod, what are you stewing about? And I'm like, Lord, I've got to take more time to prepare to teach your people. I've got to get this sermon ready on the Good Samaritan. And he would show up with this holy interruption right into the middle of my pouting fit. You say, Rod, well, tell me about that parable that you're studying for. Well, Lord, you know what it's all about. It's all about loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself and about what it means, what is it to be a neighbor and how to really enter in with empathy. And he would say, that sounds like a good parable. (laughs) Go and do likewise. Lord, I'm trying to finish this. And then he would gently, but with a good strong tone, out of love, he said, Rod, I love your desire to serve the people, to serve me, to teach the word. But I think you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point as you're doing these godly things for me. But in the middle of all of that, what's happening and what the Holy Spirit was teaching me and saying to me, what Jesus was saying to me is, you're missing me. Your whole life is running around serving in the body, and again, doing good things. I love that you're doing that, but you're missing me in the middle. And you know what I noticed? That you didn't even invite me in. You didn't ask for guidance or wisdom as you were meeting with this person. You're not depending on me for this conversation that you're going to have. You're not inviting me in. I want it. You, and I want this person to depend on me. I want you both to draw close to me and to worship me. You're missing me. And I want you to see me work in the middle of the situation. And as you watch me work, I want you to glorify me 
and praise me and worship me. It was a wonderful, holy interruption into my life. And God keeps doing that with me. And I pray that he'll do that with us as a church family. I pray that he'll have these holy interruptions and that you'll allow him to interrupt your agenda. To interrupt your, your going about your business. And remind him and remind us that we're missing Jesus along the way. Let's pray for that this morning. Father, I thank you for this chapter. I thank you for the joy of uh, seeing Solomon and the Israelites build a temple unto you to glorify your name. It's a beautiful desire. Creating a space that they could come and worship you and knowing that you dwell there. Thank you that you dwell in our midst. And Father, I thank you for holy interruptions. How you step right in the middle of our daily business and remind us to center on the main thing, which is you, Jesus. Forgive us when we don't. We don't invite you in when we don't make space. And Father, I pray that we'll see that this morning, these beautiful holy interruptions that take place in the building of the temple. Minister to us, draw us close. We want to hear from you. Thank you, God, that you are a God who dwells with us. In your precious name, amen. Well, as we look at chapter 6, the first 10 verses, we're going to see uh, design and what we saw in the video of the exterior of the temple. And the building of that and the preparing so that people could come and worship the Lord. Solomon and the Israelites were creating a plea. Uh, place where there was peace now that there's rest in the land and in the building of the temple for the name of the Lord and they're building it so that God would be glorified isn't that a beautiful thing and all of the work that went into this a reminder that God dwells with his people God's desire from the beginning of time to be in relationship with his people I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a God who dwells with you and walks with you. And then we looked at the New Testament and what it says about the temple last week. And the reminder and what the scriptures say is, don't you know that you are a temple? Don't you know that, 1 Corinthians 6? That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that you have from God. You are not your own. I think we forget that all the time. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. That's the blood of Jesus on the cross paying for our sin. So glorify God with your body, with your life. And so as we begin chapter 6, God is calling his people through Solomon into holy worship. Come and let us Praise our Lord and give him the worship that he deserves. And he's reminding them of who God is. He's a God who loves. He's a God who forgives. He is a God who is holy, as we sung this morning. And his name is above all other names. That's who our God is. 
1 Kings 6, in 480 years after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, and in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, he began to build the house of the Lord. The timing of the Lord and the building of the temple is very specific, isn't it? It's really clear on when this took place. And it's connected to the Israelites coming out of being freed from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Why is it so specific? Well, I believe what God is revealing here in the text is it's the beginning of a new era for the people. They're no longer wandering. They've now come into the promised land, and they are settling at peace, shalom, with God. It reminds me of Lincoln with the Gettysburg Address, reminding the people of the United States being established in 1776. And what's the reminder? Four score and seven years ago. Let's remember what took place. Solomon and the scriptures are bringing us to this place. I want you to connect this with you coming out of Egypt. Remember all that God did with you. God is a promise keeper. That's who our God is. He promised Abraham he'd give them the land that would be their own. He promised Moses at the Red Sea in Exodus 15 as they cried out and they said, Oh, who is like you, O God? Who is majestic in holiness like you? Who is glorious like you? You will bring the people in and you will plant them on your mountain. That's Mount Moriah where we're seeing the temple made. To that place, O Lord, you have made for them your abode the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever. And he brings us to that place and he keeps his promises and he brings us to a place and the people of Israel to a place of rest, like he says in Deuteronomy. You will have rest there. He's a promise keeper, our God is. You can count on him to fulfill his promises. He promised David in 2 Samuel that your son will build a temple for my name. And all of these promises are pointing to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of everything. It's all going to be made new. There will be a Messiah who will come. There will be a Savior. He's the real Redeemer there will be real rest, rest for your soul. I love Matthew 28. And for those of you who are just anxious this morning, will you receive this promise from the Lord? Jesus is speaking to you. I want you to come to me, all of you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Would you take my yoke upon you and learn from me? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will, here's the promise, you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God with us. God saddling up with us, taking that yoke together, and he's carrying that yoke. Why are you anxious, dear child, is really what he's saying. Don't you trust in my promises? Will you create space for me to walk alongside you and take this yoke? The people of Israel, in building of the temple, are coming to a place of rest where God will dwell. As the temple is being built, Jesus, in John 14, says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to be with you. And we, the Father... And I will come to you and we're going to make our home with you. In John 14, we get a beautiful image of the Trinity coming and taking up residence into the house, dwelling. We are the temple now. And he's taking up residence and he's never leaving, kind of like our adult children, right? (laughs) But in a good way. And in this place, God will receive worship here. He is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we are set apart unto him to worship him. We see and we enter into holy worship. And in this chapter, we see how significant the temple is and the worship of the Lord is and all of the amazing details, all the cubits, To worship the Lord. You see, they're not just throwing up a track house in some subdivision somewhere. This is to be a temple unto the Lord, making space for him where he will dwell in our midst. That his name will be known. That we will be his people and he will be our God. Do you make space for him? Just to give you an idea of the measurements, because cubits we don't get too well, the temple was 90 feet long, so 30 yards, stand on a football field, you get the idea. 30 feet wide, 45 feet high, like a four-story building. It was such care taken to build the temple, such reverence unto the holy God that they would serve. Have you ever had a neighbor... Uh, put on a new roof next to you. You know what that's like for your early mornings and all throughout the day? And typically in the summer times, it starts at about 7 in the morning. And it sounds like a machine gun going off, doesn't it? Pop, 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 pop. It's all you hear, putting on a new roof. It's loud. Any construction project that you're on, it's loud. And it's amazing just the amount of noise that's created. But look at this construction project, the temple unto the Lord, verse 7. When the house was built, it was with stone prepared at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. Wow, that's amazing. There was a holy silence. There was a beautiful reverence to holy God. Habakkuk 2 says this, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. 
You see, we are these stones. We're living stones. And we're being chiseled right now. And God is doing a work in us. He is building us into the spiritual house, 1 Peter 2, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And as he is doing this chiseling on us, I think some of his best work is done in a reverent silence unto him. It's done when we come in prayer. It's come when we come and meditate upon the word and read the word. It's done in holy silence so that we are quiet before the Lord and then we can hear him minister to us. When we make space for the Lord and we open our ears to the Lord, he will respond. He will fill that space and he responds. Some of the best work is done in that silence And as we do these things, we worship a holy God. And he's building up his spiritual house. And he's pleased with us. He receives our worship. That's what Solomon longed for. That's what the people of Israel wanted to enter in with their Lord. And then we go into the building of the house. And it's really interesting as we read the text. All these details, all this construction going on. And as we get into verse 14, we went from the exterior, and now we're going to start to go into the interior and all the decorations to decorate the inside of the house. And you start to look at all the building progress, and you go, look at all the cool things that we're doing for God. Isn't this awesome? We're building this temple for God. Isn't it amazing? And then right in the middle of the building verses which show up as verses 11 through 13. I want to show them for you. Right in the middle of all the building, he says this. God shows up. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon. This is a holy interruption that's taking place here. Concerning this house, God says, that you are building, if you walk in my statutes and obey my rules, if you keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will, I will establish my word with you. I'm a promise keeper. That which I spoke to David, your father, I will dwell among the children of Israel. I'm a promise keeper. I will not forsake my people Israel. When you're reading this text, many scholars go, you know what, this does not fit the text. It must have been added later. It doesn't go with the flow. It really interrupts the flow but I don't think it's an add-on at all. I think it's a beautiful, intentional, holy interruption that God is doing in Solomon's life. Those verses are straight from the Lord to interrupt all he's doing for God. Listen to Bonhoeffer, what he says about God's interruptions. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths. He'll be canceling our plans. He'll be sending people with claims and petitions. I I wish I had read this many years ago. (laughs) 
It's a strange fact that Christians, even, even ministers, trust me, it's true, we, frequent, uh, we consider our work so much more important and urgent, and we will not allow anything to disturb our work for God. They think they're doing God a service in this, but they're actually disdaining God's crooked yet very straight path. Why does he step in like this? Why does God do this with these holy interruptions? How rude, God. I've got my day set before me. Do you remember Jesus when the disciples were like, Jesus, the one thing we want you to teach us, out of all things, teach us to pray. And so he teaches them a prayer, how he entered in with the Father. And then he starts to finish up, Thy kingdom come. What's the rest? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Remember, we are a temple of the living God. And remember, I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. So now I live to do the will of God. I live to please the Father, and hopefully that's out of great joy. And I want to do his will, which is indeed life-giving. Solomon seems concerned at the moment about the exterior beauty and all that is taking place. But what's God concerned about? He's concerned about his heart. He's concerned about his heart, just like me driving to go meet with that person. Rod, where's your heart in all this? For Solomon, the saying, this holy interruption is so necessary for the spiritual heart condition of Solomon and for us. Will you allow God holy interruptions in your life? I think he wanted to make sure that in the middle of this wonderful, worthy temple project, it was a good thing, but that he didn't lose sight of the top priority. Missing God in the middle of it. Missing living out of obedience, doing his will. A holy obedience that we are called into. A walking with God. A turning to him. A a reminder to be dependent upon him. It's not about the building. It's not about the works. It's about our relationship together. Being centered for us on Jesus Christ. But all this work in the temple, again, looked so beautiful and and was a right attitude initially, I think. And then God needed to pause it for a little bit. Hey, how are we doing, Solomon, together? I feel like you're getting off track a little bit. I want to remind you what I've called you to. I've called you to this wonderful obedience in me, to live life in me. Depending on, I've given you everything, Solomon. And so now keep worshiping me, drawing your attention to me, not the project, not the God works that we do. He wants to look at our personal godliness. Are we living in a way that is indeed holy? You know, we all struggle with this, don't we? We struggle to to look at things And all that we're doing for the kingdom, 
look, Father, how I'm serving you, and I want to serve you. Look how I'm doing it all. And again, it usually starts out with this wonderful desire to please the Lord. And then somehow we get off track. And he wants to interrupt us on the drive over to minister to someone, and he wants to do a little heart surgery. There's some clawed arteries. You have the plaque of hidden agenda and personal glory. You want to be known in these projects that you're doing for me. Let me do a holy interruption here. Hopefully we're serving the Lord, and as he's doing this work in us, we're serving the Lord out of our love for Jesus, our love for God, who is indeed our true valentine. We see in these verses 11 through 13, these if-then statements. And all these if statements have to do with obedience. Walk in my statutes, obey my rules, keep my commandments. God wants us to have life. And so really what he's saying is, do what I say. Because what I say is life-giving. You don't get it sometimes, what I'm trying to lead you towards. And you go, Lord, this doesn't make sense. But trust me, I'm a good God, and I'm a God who gives life. And I'm doing these things for your good. And I'm doing these things so that ultimately I will receive the glory. Jesus says, if you love me, what? Obey my commands. What reveals if you love me is obeying my commands. The law of Moses, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor likewise. A total obedience to the will of God. That's what I'm calling you towards, which again is good. I want you to walk in this. That's an ongoing walking I don't want you to pause on the way. I want you to keep walking in obedience with me. You can picture a father and a son just walking through a garden together. Just walk with me. Listen to what I have to say for you. You can picture God in the garden with Adam. Walk with me. And what happens is when you walk with me, There's then statements, the blessings that follow. There's an everlasting throne. There's God's presence. I will dwell with you. There's God's perseverance. I will stay with you. So Joshua, be strong and courageous. Go into the land. I'm going to be your God. I will continue to walk with you. Who can keep such a path of obedience? If you do all these things, then... Who can keep such a path? The grammar in these verses 11 through 13 are really interesting for those of you who love grammar. The commands in 11 through 13 are not to Israel as a nation. They're not to Israel as a nation. They're second person singular and they're specifically to Solomon. That blew me away. They're for Solomon. There is a covenant obedience for the people of Israel, but these statements in 11 through 13 are right for Solomon. What king could ever fulfill this requirement? 
What king could ever do this? Israel's destiny didn't depend on the temple, but on Solomon's faithfulness as a king. And when you read that, you cry out, that's not fair, God. Who could take such a thing? That is not fair. And so let me ask you a question. Here's all these wonderful if statements. If you keep all my commands, then there's going to be all these blessings. How did Solomon do? He failed miserably, didn't he? As we go on in the chapters, we find that he turns away from the Lord. And so Israel did not receive the full blessings that were intended for them. And when Solomon died, Israel became a divided nation. As you study the Old Testament, as you study the scriptures, we really do look in vain to find a faithful king, don't we? We look in vain. We cannot find one. Who will keep the covenant of God? All of Israel's earthly kings failed. All of them. And yet the thing that's so amazing is that all of God's promises were fulfilled. He is with his people today. By the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the promises came true in the true king, Jesus the son of David, the greater Solomon of the kingdom of God. Jesus walked in all the statutes of God. He kept all the covenants. He was perfect, sinless. He constantly sought the will of the Father. He loved the Father and his neighbor all the way to the cross. He died for all of our sins. We're going to have communion this morning. He kept all of the ifs of these verses. And then he promises a gospel life to all who would believe upon him. New life, resurrected life. All through the one king, Jesus. You see, Solomon's failures, they point to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And we have all of these promises. All of these promises. Because of Jesus. He will sit on the throne of David. And he will rule forever. And Christ. Will dwell in our hearts through faith. Ephesians says. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. He makes all these promises because he met all of the conditions for our salvation. Law kept, debt paid. And here's what's amazing. God doesn't say to us, if you obey me, I will bless you. Here's what he says to us now. Because Jesus obeyed me, I will bless you. And you are the temple. And Jesus resides in you. 
don't you know? And I will bless you. The perfect king, the one true king, Jesus. And so let us draw near and worship the one true king. Let us draw near and let him have these holy interruptions into our life. Let us be a people who make space for God as we come and we worship at the temple. May we give praise and may we glorify the Lord our God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for these holy interruptions that you do in our lives. Father, we desire to make space for you as the temple. All that you have done for us to allow us free access into the the holy of holies, we can come into your presence, and we thank you for that. Lord Jesus, we want to say this morning we love you, and we invite you. We make space for you. Minister to us in your beautiful and precious name. Amen.